Welcome to the How Soccer Explains Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership principles through the lens of the beautiful game. Welcome back to How Soccer Explains Leadership. Thanks again for being a part of the conversation. I am excited to tell you again that I got my co-host, Paul Jobson. I'm Phil Dark. And we have another fun episode in store for us today. We will be getting to Keely Hagen here in a few minutes. She is the Colorado State soccer coach, and she's been so much more than that in her life. So we're going to get into that here in a few minutes. But before that, Paul, how are you doing, man? I know that your you know, soft Texas skin is not quite dealing with the cold weather very well. But as, as we were talking with Keely before we recorded, she's at negative zero, as we found out there in Colorado. So how, how are you doing other than then just, you know, not being able to cope with the cold weather? I'm just thankful I'm not in negative zero weather and just dealing with 31, 30 degrees. My kids are like, please let it snow because they want to miss school. And I'm like, no, no, we can't miss school. We got to go to school. So uh, yeah, it's great though. You know, like a little cold weather never really hurt anybody that bad, right? As long as I can stay indoors and keep my jacket on, I'm all good, man. I think cold weather has hurt people that bad, but not 31 degrees, I don't think. So I think you're (laughs) you're, going to be all right. I saw something cool real quick on, and we're not going to be able to get into it deeply, but I want to just kind of remind ourselves to talk about this really cool wrestling trip that your son had with Marcy, it looks like. I don't know if you were able to go on that as well, but iowa state something along those lines and got to do something really cool so yeah yeah really really cool opportunity to to go up marcy went with nash by herself i stayed home with the other three hooligans here in waco but yeah great opportunity through a connection that we have some great great people to meet uh, david carr who's an amazing not only an amazing wrestler but just an amazing human being and nash and marcy had the opportunity to go up there and spend some time with them and watch a couple of wrestling matches and spent some time just just really learning from just some amazing athletes up there and how they do and how they go about what they do just a great experience for a young athlete and just blessed that he was able to to do that so it's really cool at some point we'll get to talk through the wrestling stuff i know we keep talking about it this is a soccer podcast but how other sports relate to what we do and the leadership models that come through other coaches and other sports are some things we like to tap into at times but yeah just a great experience great people up there at iowa state so yeah it was really an amazing trip for for them and i'm just learning all the highs and highs of it all as we speak yeah, yeah. So I, I'm excited to get into that, dig deeper at a different show than today. A couple other things we'll talk about. One of the things we've mentioned in the past is when my kids were little, I trained them in, at goalkeeping. I said, you never know when you're going to, you never know when your team's going to need a keeper, you know, an emergency keeper. So it's good to learn this position, even if you don't want to play it. Well, this year, my daughter has had two, well, now three stints at goalkeeper. She's a striker by trade. But she she happened to be thrown in as a freshman varsity against our rival, a league rival, and then at the Crosstown Cup, which is our, you know, Crosstown rival. So she was put in front of both of those games, which happened to be two of our bigger crowds. So I'm proud of her, but we'll be really double to talk about that, too, just that yeah. idea of, you know, always being ready for what might be thrown at you. But that's not awesome. what we have today. Today we have Keely Hagen. And Keely, as I said, is currently the Colorado State coach, which is why I am sporting this shirt, which she handed me herself when I was out there doing disc training with her, which we're going to get into a little bit later. Very nice. But Keely, how are you doing today? Doing great. Minus zero, just making us tougher over here, whether we want to be or not. So 
I'm really excited to be here. So thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Well, we always talk about resilience and overcoming adversity on this show. So, you know, this weather is just allowing us to put that into practice. So I'm, I'm you know, glad you're all you know dressed up warm. So hopefully you'll be comfortable for this conversation. And, you know, the first thing we, we always love to talk with our guests about, and I mentioned a little bit of what you're doing now, but I want just you to briefly share your story, you know, including how you developed your passion for soccer, coaching, leadership, and how you ended up with that cool beanie of the Colorado State Ram on your head out there coaching a group of great young women. Yeah, I'll try to be brief. You know, it's certainly been a journey of, of highs and lows, just as life is for most everybody. Started playing soccer when I was four, grew up in Indiana, fortunate to have some really great coaches when I was young, specifically Ian Martin. He was our college. He was a college coach at Butler for men's. So just right, right from the get-go, getting great coaching, very successful club team back in the days when state championships were a thing and winning regional championships. We won a regional championships and runner-up national championship. Decided to go to University of Tennessee to continue on and <clears throat> had a wonderful experience there with head coach Ange Kelly, was fortunate to win our first ever SEC championship there for Tennessee. But prior to that, which is probably a question later, there was a two-year journey to try out for the U19 national team and was fortunate to win a World Cup my sophomore year. And that was the same year that we won our SEC championship. Was was fortunate to have a great career. You know, I feel like I've checked the injury box Um pretty much my whole, my whole career. I'm not a very durable athlete. So that's kind of helped me now, you know, being a coach to be able to relate there. After Tennessee, went to Sweden for two years to play in their premier league and really enjoy just being another culture. I didn't learn a lick of Swedish because everybody wanted to practice their English. So don't ask me any Swedish words. So that was an awesome experience. Came back. This is kind of where my coaching, you know, began, really just fell into the position because I was waiting for what is now NWSL. It was the WPS to start up because the previous WSA had folded. And that was where the assistant coach at Tennessee decided she wanted to be a full-time mom. And I was there training in the offseason, waiting for the league to start and got offered the assistant coaching position under the, the stipulations with the athletic director that I could still play professional soccer. So don't think that would happen now, but I was able to do both. And so got drafted to go play at Sky Blue for the first year. And it was an extremely dramatic year. I feel like we, we talk about it. We should write a book on it because we had three coaches and it was like everything that went wrong, went wrong, except we won a championship. So that was an incredible experience for that first year. And then second year was in sky blue again. And then last year I was in Atlanta and that was the worst season I think I've had in my career tore my ACL that year as well. And then at that point, coach Kelly got offered the position at Texas. And so I decided to hang up, hang up my boots, head to university of Texas in Austin was there for about nine and a half years. And then Colorado state called in June of 2021. And they checked, checked some pretty big boxes, family being the biggest one here, my husband's family south of Denver and got here and it's a beautiful college campus. I feel like Colorado is a, a strong soccer state and now I'm about a year and a half in. So that's, that's the nutshell from a soccer standpoint. <clears throat> yeah. You know, one thing that 
it, it's it's implicit in what you said. Not a lot of people know that, but you were on the sideline with Paul when you were coaching against Baylor. And, you know, I, I know Paul. He's yelling all the time, and he's just, you know, tearing into people. And How was it to coach against the, the legend that is now the retired, you know, guy basking on the beach, you know, just drinking his pina colada in retirement now what was it like to coach against this man i just can't even imagine the the pressure you felt when you were just standing next <laughs> i mean to it, it was epic i'll never forget it every yeah. moment we played baylor oh, was awesome i mean it's you know they he did they did a great job there and, and every game was a fight as usual and i i've played with his wife with and yeah. against his wife and so obviously we had a little bit of a prior relationship but obviously paul what you what you did at baylor was phenomenal and you know my time at texas we did I didn't win a championship or we didn't win a championship there and they won a few and it was always a ruthless battle and to be honest that's I'm trying to get my teams to to play as hard as as his teams do so that's something that we're we're working on doing here but legendary let's use that yeah. word 100 that's what I <laughs> you know. guys are we know that. you guys are totally full of it I definitely and so who uh, who's sure. more intimidating that's that's a question I really wanted who's more intimidating Paul or Marcy Oh, well, I'm gonna have to. One. I'm gonna have to with Marcy because yeah, I, okay. I avoided as many tackles and and air balls as possible when playing against her. So you know, you always have those players that make an impression throughout your career. And for as little time as I was at least around her with a national team, she certainly made an impression on me. And you know, I, I've never told her that. Hopefully, she'll listen to this at some point. But definitely her. I mean, it's it's you don't want to play against a player like her. And and again, those are the great players out there because, hey, I, I want her on my team because I don't want to get in a tackle with her. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was kind Anytime of a lie detector a test game, there. I'm on her team. That was a lie detector right there. I just wanted to make sure if you didn't say Marcy there, then I would have known that. We, I don't know if I could have trusted anything else you said the rest of the, the rest of the interview. So um, Keely is smart enough to know that everybody out there knows who's the most intimidating yes. in my family. It's not me. You know, it's, it's definitely – Definitely Marcy. So I think a, a better question is who's more intimidating, Ange Kelly or Marcy Jobson? Those are two fierce women in the game of soccer for sure. So, but you're right. Th those matches between Texas and Baylor were always, I mean, just always great matches. And obviously we always had a ton of respect for you guys and how you guys went about what you were doing and building a, just a great program now that now we're starting to see really a lot of the success winning a couple of championships now. And you, you were part of just really building the base for for what's what's going on now and i'm excited to see you know what you're going to be able to do at colorado state i've, I've always always thought that uh, once you got a head coaching job it was going to be an amazing opportunity for for young women to to work with you so i'm excited to see what you're going to be doing there yeah thank you yeah what's uh, kind of going into that like as you as you're navigating now being a head coach and we'll kind of get into the dynamics of what it means to be an assistant and what it means to be a head coach but through all of that have you have you kind of developed a, a, a why? Like, what is your what is your personal why? Yeah, you know, this is a great question that I got beforehand. And so I wanted to put some thought into it and, and not necessarily be, you know, kind of a cookie cutter answer. I think a big part of who I am is my faith. And, you know, I, I let recruits know that when they come in and, you know, my, my team knows that's where I stand. Obviously, we have some restrictions that you, you fall at a, a public institution. And but for me, it's I'm in this position now as a head coach. And it is different being an assistant because the, the final decisions are are on you. And ultimately it's to reflect a life of Jesus and be that model. And then also just to be a positive influence in young ladies' lives, because I am trying to use the gifts that God has given me. And um, that's the platform that I have. And, you know, that's, that's a big responsibility and I don't take that lightly. 
Yeah, you know, and that's that's it always excites me to hear that. I and mean, Paul and I both obviously share share the faith and and it it's something that goes so much deeper than just a just a statement, right? Like cuz when you say that reflecting the life of Jesus and and to be able to live that out, you know, one of those things that we've been working on together that I've I've loved working on with you is is the disc model of human behavior and to to see you know, we talked about that, you know, Jesus is the perfect example of that, right? Like he knew exactly who he needed to be at any given moment with every person that he connected with. And, you know, as humans, hopefully we're striving for that, right? Hopefully we're striving to understand ourselves and we're striving to understand our, our, the people that are in our lives, right? And as coaches, we have a group of people that are in our lives regularly day in, day out. And so that's something that, you know, we, we did that. We did the disc training in the preseason this last year, and I know you've taken it beyond where a lot of teams take it. And, and a lot of teams kind of do the training and then do a little bit here and there. We talked with Carrie Sanchez. She's putting it into practice as well at Colorado College. But can you just talk about that a little bit? You know, the, the disc, the training that we did, really how are you using it with your team and why you think it's important for coaches and, and players to understand it and use it with their teams? Yeah, I mean, I think the buzzword is culture and, you know, it's hard to win games. And if your culture is not right, it's going to be that much harder. Another word people choose to use is chemistry. So for us, we know that's a big thing. You got to have talent to win. If you don't have speed, you're chasing it. You know, there's those necessary parts. But the the reason why I like DISC is first and foremost is just self-awareness. You know, it's when people... Like, do they want to talk about themselves? A lot of times they do. Maybe sometimes they don't. But to learn about yourself and how you are the way you are, why the way you are, I think it's it's very interesting for each one of our young ladies to be like, oh, like, this makes sense about me. And when they fill out the questionnaire, it's like, so every time, Phil, you, you know, brought something up about a D and the D's in the room, like, lit up because they're like, oh, I want to hear more about me. You know, that just kind of caught on and I could see that in the room. Um I think the second part, and this is the most important part, is once you learn about yourself and have that self-awareness, you start to think about how you speak to others and what do they need. And I think that's the next level of maturity that we want to continue to grow, you know, with this particular team and culture. And hey, you need to be considered about your tone and, and how you're speaking to people and how it may come off. And so those are the things that we've continued with having little homework sessions of, hey, let's get the D's together and, and ask questions. And how do you like to talk on the field? And then let's get the D's and the S's together. Now we have a, a totally different situation. And how are they communicating? And at the end of the day, you know, athletics makes you tougher, right? If you're in that environment. So, you know, the the underlining is, hey, let's give a little grace when you're competing and you're you're in warrior mode, right? Because we're trying to win, but at the same time be a little bit conscientious of, you know, this is a people, this is a human being. You may need to put your arm around them at the end of the game and, and be compassionate and empathetic, but it's sure, sure as heck a lot better when you get the W and, and do that than, than lose for sure. Yeah, definitely. So it's, have you noticed with yourself as far as understanding it deeper, has it affected you as a coach as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think as soon as you switch over from assistant to head coach, your level of patience definitely steps up for sure. You know, I think, you know, I've always been taught be harder on the front end, you know, so from that standpoint, I've made sure to do that. I think from an empathetic standpoint, I've also had to be a little bit more empathetic. I think disc because of my personality and, and I think I'm a DC. And so it's like, it's great that my staff has a little opposite than me because, you know, that kind of works itself out with the team. 
But long answer is yes, I think it's helped just to continue to remind myself, okay, I need to maybe scale it back a little bit in some situations and not be as critical because that seems to be my personality. Yeah, no, and I've I've noticed in the in the conversations we've had, and even just the the little I've seen you with the team, it appears to me that you're you're working. I mean, just the fact that you're digging in with homework assignments, and you're having the the players, and we even had you know have had follow up session and talking about doing more. That that's a huge part of it is just continuing to understand again, like you said, understand yourself, understand your players, have them understand themselves, and understand each other, and just the fact that you're doing it shows them that it's important and that it's something that is really a part of the game and not just some tacked on thing that is like, well, let's just do this thing because it's the latest and greatest. No, this is really important and, and we're going to apply it. So yeah, I'm excited to see, see how it continues to develop that culture that I know you want and you're, you're pouring into that, that team. I want to switch gears a little bit. You know, we did a little bit of the disc stuff when I was at Baylor, I had Phil come in and it was a great, a great practice and, Unfortunately, probably did it too late because it wasn't long after I, I left. So I didn't get to see the full piece of it. But I found even for myself, I would sit down with before I would meet with a player and I would look at their profile. It would help me kind of navigate how that conversation might go before it even whether it's a good conversation or just to check in or whatever. It didn't really matter. I'm like, OK, I want to make sure I'm most prepared to to meet with these players. And I found that to be pretty help, pretty helpful in, in that scenario, too. Have you have you exercised that as well? Yeah, I mean, we we definitely wrote down, especially when we're on the field, you know, who who needs some more positivity and who needs kind of the one-on-one pull off the field and and you coach them that way and not not out loud. I think that's been the thing that's helped us the most be, to try to get more out of the young lady because you know a lot of players initially be like, oh, I need you to yell at me, but they really don't. They <laughs> really don't want that. <laughs> so that I think that's been the challenge to really just continue that open dialogue of. Hey, we're coaching. We're not criticizing, right? And we're trying to to get the best out of you. And and just rem- it's a constant reminder, you know, whether it's within their disc or not, that we're we're a resource and we're here to help. That's the thing that I've kind of found of of the how part changes with with their personality profile. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's 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 uh, let's talk about you a little bit, all right? Because this is about Keely Hagen, the the podcast about Keely Hagen here. So let's focus on you a little <laughs> bit. What are you know, and I think this helps define who we are as people when we talk about just defining moments. What were some defining moments, maybe one or two defining moments in your playing career? What did you learn from that? How has that impacted, you know, maybe you even as a coach? Yeah, so I think there's two that that stand out for me. One is our the two-year tryout for the U19 national team. It was literally two years. Within that two-year period, I had a really bad ankle injury. I was out for, I think, three months. I missed the, the qualifier like stage for the world cup. So really had to fight my way back. And I was a captain at the time. And, you know, I think the, the perseverance there, the adversity and just, you know, I wanted to make the team. And so I had to work myself back there. And then we finally obviously got to the world cup in in Canada and went through the group stages. And I wasn't playing that much at all because I had just, you know, been coming back and Finally, we we got into a team where I started getting more minutes. And then the last game, the coaches were like, Hey, you're going to start the night before I had food poisoning and I woke up in the morning and I'd been puking all night. My face was like all green. And so they just gave me some medicine. They were like, can you go? And I'm like, sure, sure. Let's do it. 
And, you know, it's like when you, when you flip that switch and you have the adrenaline, there's, you know, 50,000 people, there. there's an incredible atmosphere. There were 50 American fans and it was just all of our families. And we ended up going into overtime. We ended up winning and just the emotion that, that poured out of me afterwards, I was like stunned, but it was like, um, you know, a moment where I was like, man, I just went through this entire journey and you got what you wanted at the end. And sometimes you don't. And so I think that experience for me helped me mature. And, and I learned a lot about myself that I could do more than I thought I could. And just, you know, kind of catapulted me into the next phase of my career. Um, I think the, the second one that stands out would be my third season playing pro. I tore my ACL that year and was like a losing season. And so, you know, now things are going wrong, terribly wrong. And what is my response, right? How can I be a good teammate? How can I, you know, still continue to model the person that I want to model and despite the adversity. And so leaving that season kind of feeling empty, but also feeling like, you know what, it wasn't about the results. It wasn't about, you know, our team results or personal results, but but how did I respond during that time of adversity? What did people see? So at the end of the day, you know, I left that season being like, hey, I was a good teammate, regardless of, of what happened, right? Because it's easy to it's easy to be a, a good person when everything's going your way. And so I think for me, I was like, okay, like that's the person I want to be. I want to be consistent of who I am. And, you know, those were a couple moments in my career that challenged that. Yeah, I think that's something that gets missed a lot as as I think as players and as coaches, sometimes it's, it's those adversity moments that really kind of define who you are and, and not just that, but also just the experiences you had help you relate to every person on your roster. Right. I mean, you, you basically can look at your team and go, whatever you've experienced, I, I've, or you're going to experience, I probably have already, you know, and, and that's such an important piece of, of being a coach. Cause you can look them in the eye and go, yeah, I, I absolutely know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, They may not believe you right away, but it's true. And uh, how, how have you seen, you know, I, I love the, I don't love that you had to go through adversity, but I think now it seems like we try to avoid adversity. Players try to avoid adversity. Parents try to keep their kids from adversity as, as coaches. We don't want our players necessarily to go through it because it may create other problems. How do you kind of navigate that adversity or staying or shying away from adversity problem when you, when you know, even through your own experiences, that those were some really defining moments for you? Yeah. I mean, I think we just talk about it and then we do it and we remind them and we talk about it again and then we do it. So it's, it's trying to put the words in the action of, Hey, this is tough. It's tough for a reason. And it's going to make you tougher. It's you're only going to be tough. If you're put in a tough environment, you can say that you want to be tough, but unless you actually go through it, it doesn't, you know, I, as iron sharpens iron. Right. So it's, I think it's one of those things is reminding them because it's that important on a constant basis of, Hey, failure is growth. Right. I think Kobe Bryant doesn't believe in failure when he lost. Right. And it's like, you know, how, how can we grow when things are tough? What are you learning about your, yourself when things get hard? And so having those conversations and actually like acknowledging like, Hey, I just did that. Or, Hey, I didn't do that. And what did I learn about myself? So if it's something in my mind, if it's something that's really important, you've got to talk about it and remind them every day. And that's one of those things that it's, it's setting you up for what we're doing here now is setting you up for life. So when you do have those hard moments, you can feel like, Hey, I, I just went through four years of being a student athlete. It was really freaking hard and I can do this. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to make sure we're clear that our, our listeners understand Keely. So if, if I 
just post on social media that I am tough. That doesn't, or you're saying that doesn't make me tough. Yeah, no, that's not going to make you tough at all. <laughs> it's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I fully agree with you. The communication piece is so, so critical. And I think you hit it right on the head. I think there are a lot of coaches that miss that part. It's like, why don't they get it? Why don't they get it? It's our job as coaches to tell them, tell them again, just when you think they've got it, you've got to tell them again. Yeah. And then you're probably going to have to tell them some more. Right. And, and that's just you. kind of the role of a coach and you yeah. can get frustrated or you can push through as a coach. And, and if you do it long enough, you see the results down the road where you get phone calls from players that say, you know, I'm 30 something now I've got kids and man, I miss those days when we used to run fitness tests. I'm like, you know, those are great moments as, as, a, as an old coach to get those, those text messages and phone calls because you, you know, you had a part in them becoming resilient and, and tough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and you just described, you know, so many areas of life there, Paul, right? You know, I heard that. I remember Andy Stanley talking about that the vi with vision. You know, you, you got to talk mm -hmm. about vision and keep talking about vision and keep keep talking about vision. And when you think you're so sick of talking about vision, you're probably about halfway there. And in the, I think that that goes for our teams, too. You know, we can we can talk about it. if you just say it once, you know, and. It's just not gonna. It's not gonna stick. And so you gotta. You gotta not only say it, but you gotta show that it matters. You gotta live it out. You gotta be consistent. They're watching us as coaches for sure. You know, th this is something that I, I just want to kind of stay on that injury front for a little bit. What we talked a little bit about what it you know taught you about life and what you taught about leadership and what taught you how you taught brought that into coaching as far as that resilience and being able to empathize with the player, which is a big part of it. But what did that those injuries really teach you? about you know just life and you, and you personally just your identity and what really matters yeah i mean i think it's the process it's it's not necessarily one day at a time but one moment at a time so for me taking over you know being a head coach it's it's a lot of prayer because i don't know everything and it's i want to continue to be in a humble state and it's asking for help regularly so i think it's that's consistent when you're you know hitting some adversity and in, in, in injuries it's all right I got to do lunch for the first time and it's that process and just do it the best that you can and you know if the doctors are telling you that everything's fixed then great trust that and do the best you can and so that's kind of the message I think that we push a lot with our team is it's it's about the process how can you improve if you improve the team improves and it's it's one drill at a time right and for me that's that's life we don't know if we're going to have tomorrow so you got to make the best of the day and I know that sounds very cliche but same time like I think we've all seen in the past three years that life can throw some crazy things at you with COVID and just all kinds of stuff and we're we're pretty grateful for what we have and our health that we have and so it's it's the moment by moment things that for me that's that's what what helped get me through and and obviously again my faith is just asking for help and all the time <laughs> not yeah. sometimes it's all the time because the second you don't you think you got it figured out you don't and so that's that's kind of my stance yeah you know and I, I know with my wife she had four four knee surgeries playing soccer you know she actually played at Colorado College back in the day and four knee surgeries and I remember her talking about that you know with our kids even as our kids are playing soccer and you know she's saying look you know soccer can't be everything it can't be all that you are it, you have to be more than than a game or a yeah. sport or whatever. And, and she goes, that honestly, she, she said, I'd never really thought about that until I was sitting on the, the, in the, with the, she was, I saw the physical therapist or the, you know, trainer more than I saw my coach. 
Yeah. And she said at that point, I, I just, I, I knew this what game wasn't going to be the pro route that she thought she might go and all this other stuff. And what would you say to that, that kid that, you know, maybe adult that's going through that right now, as far as, as far as that part, that side of it? Yeah. I mean, I think you don't know until you go through it, right? Like you don't know what you don't know. And so how, how can you use people as resources, ask for help? I think that's a big thing. And, you know, lean, lean on your family, lean on resources. I mean, it's, it's until you go through it, does it actually impact you? Right. And I think that's the empathy side of things. It's easier to be empathetic when, Hey, I've already, I've done this. I, I know what that's like, but maybe sometimes it's just saying, Hey, I'm really sorry you're going through this. And that person is like, okay, like, Hey, you just got to keep grinding and just, just little by little. And you'll, you'll look back and see the growths and try to recognize and reflect those, those growths that you've had. Yeah, definitely. All right. So switching gears a little bit, going away from you to the coaches that have coached you and you know, that you've played for, I know that you've been taught a ton by all the different coaches that you've, you've played for, but what is one of the coaches that you've that just sticks out? What separates her, him or her from, from the rest of those coaches? And uh, you know, really, how are you using those lessons today in your coaching? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd be remiss to not say Ange Kelly because she recruited me when I was sixteen, and you know, I, gosh, other than you know a few years that I was in Sweden, I'd always come back to Knoxville to train. And, um, you know, I think she saw something in me that I knew was in there, but I, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder because I, I didn't make the national team until later and, and really believed that she's the coach that could get me there. And she told me that, and obviously she followed through on that, but yeah, I mean, from 16 until gosh, 38, she was a big part of my life. She was a maid of honor in my wedding. And, you know, I can't say enough in terms of the first thing I took away from her as a coach was just mental toughness, you know, and obviously her playing experience and, and background is phenomenal. And she certainly made me mentally tougher. But I think that I think the thing that has been long lasting for me is based off of my personality, I'm very task oriented and not people oriented. I know that might surprise you guys, but she is very much a people person and one of the most generous people I've ever met in my life. I mean, she's taking care of me beyond and, and even my family, you know, since I'd been coaching with her. So for me, it's just how do you connect with people? She is a super connector and she is so good at making people feel comfortable and making a situation that could be uncomfortable, comfortable. So I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is, is figuring out how to be more of a connector because I'm more of like, Hey, let's just get these tasks done and check the boxes. And <laughs> she couldn't be more opposite than me in that, which is why I was a good assistant for her because I could be a master of box checkers and she's walking around talking to all these people. And I'm like, Ange, what are you doing? You're not getting anything done. And she's like, no, actually I am Keely. And so that's, that's really, she's been such a huge part of my life and, and still continues to be so. And I, I will just encourage you to continue being who you are and doing what you do, because I am, I can totally relate with Ange more than, than you. And I love when I find a you to help me and, you know, to be able to be that because I will never be that really well. And if I have to, and same way, if you had to do what she does, you'd burn out real fast if yeah. you had to do that every day. So to find that person who can do that. And for you to be able to do what you do really well. And obviously, as a head coach, you need to wear that hat at some level. But 
you know, you can also get a great assistant who does that too and be able to, you know, do what you do really, really well and just kind of dabble in the other stuff so you don't burn out on it. And that that's that's something that I think is a is a great lesson there too, that she probably I'm guessing she knew herself really she knows herself really well. So she surrounds herself with people like yourself who will do those things she doesn't like to do. And um no, I'm sure she could. She can, but you know, you don't have to. Oh, she she definitely tells me she yeah. can do all the things that I can do, like for sure. <laughs> right. It's just she she just wants me to do them. So, but she knows how to do all of them. And that's, that's the great thing about Ann is she will, if she absolutely needs to, but you know, her and I worked together for 14 years. And so that's a, that's a really long time. And that's why it was a really hard decision for me to leave. I mean, I, I was in my comfort zone and felt like we were at a really good position to, to win. And obviously they did, which is awesome. And um, but at the same time, it's, you know, it was time for me to step out in faith and felt like it was the right decision and but very difficult decision, you know, really leaving my best friend. Yeah, that's awesome. We, you know, we talk a lot as coaches about building, building teams, right? Recruiting, bringing in the right players. But a lot of times we forget part of building a great team is having the right staff around you. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I feel like Angie's always done a great job of that. And I feel like we've been blessed one because you know, me and Marcy were a great team and still are a great team, but, and having Chuck around and all the, you know, all the different coaches, like building a team as a staff is almost just as critical, maybe not, maybe more critical than the, the team that you bring in year to year as your players, as you kind of went through the ranks of like, you know, being an assistant coach and, and learning what that role was, what, what, what's some advice that you could give maybe some young aspiring coaches that are either about to become assistants or are currently assistants right now? Gosh, yeah. So, I mean, I think the biggest biggest advice is is trust your head coach and have open communication and ask the why, ask the questions, and don't assume. I think I got into a little bit of you know trouble with that just being an assistant of because Angie and I knew each other so well, and I was like, well, why are you doing this? And and but I could have that healthy dialogue with her, and she would tell me. And so I think it's you know as an assistant, you don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes that the head coach is having to deal with, for lack of a better word. So I think it's just trusting that you know they have ultimately the best interest you know, for you, for the assistant and also for the team. And then to just come ask so you can learn, because ultimately my job now is to help develop my assistants to be a head coach if that's what they want to do. So I also needed them to, to be challenging me because I don't want yes people. So I think that's the second thing is, is be challenging to your head coach at the right time. I didn't do that very well with Ange. There, my timing was terrible. So that's another thing she helped me with. Um, and then, and then just ask questions. And, and the third thing is, is be as supportive and proactive as you can. I think that's the thing is try to put the head coach lens on and think, okay, what do I need to be prepared for tomorrow? Or what do I need to be prepared for two days from now? Right. I think those are the three things that for me as a assistant, I learned over the years and there were times that I feel like I was great. And there are times that I felt like I was cr a really crappy assistant. And, and I'm sure Ange, Ange was so patient with me, which is one of her strengths as well. But obviously I, I give her so much credit for being able to be in this position now. And I would say, Paul, like that, what you just described there goes for any, um, not just assistant coaches, but this leading from the middle concept. I think that was that right there was just gold for anyone that is has leadership aspirations. But to be a great leader, you got to be a great follower, and you need to understand 
what that looks like and how you can actually lead from the middle by asking those questions, by challenging at the right time, in the right way. And that's that's something that, you know, we talk to even our players about is it's it's good to, you know, challenge us in, in what we, we do, but in the right way at the right time and not, not coming to us after a game and yelling at us and telling we did something wrong. That's not the right time as somebody did this year, you know, but to be able to do that in an appropriate way. And so I just, I so appreciate that answer. I just wanted to you know, go back, rewind that, listen to that again, because there was a lot of really important good stuff in there. Yeah, I was going to say that too, Phil, just definitely young, young aspiring coaches and even some of us are veterans. It's good to, to hear that again. So I would, I would encourage you to go back and rewind that. And can you rewind? Is that what it's called? Just go back. I don't know if rewind yeah, my cassette yeah. tape days. Um, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Don't we'll let the ribbon get caught and that need to get breaks. You can't listen to it anymore. So absolutely. Kid, you yeah. just blew, like you just lost all the, all the kids <laughs> under 35 years old. But I mean, That's some great stuff. You know, th- through that process, Keely, obviously you, you were blessed to have just an amazing mentor, you know, as a head coach with Ange Kelly and have interacted, you know, had the opportunity to interact at a high level and a lot of high level coaches, but uh, you know, I don't know the best way to ask this question, but your your role as an assistant, I mean, you kind of just went through the things that are important of being an assistant, but what are the things that you think you take from being a, an assistant for so long? What are the things you're taking from that that have really set you up to be a, a, a successful head coach? I, yeah, I think- And, l- and that, let me, sorry, let me add yeah. on to that. What are the things that you think you may have missed had you just gone straight into being a head coach and not having been an assistant? Oh my gosh. I would have missed everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I said that because I've worked at Texas, I feel like I can run the country. I mean, that's a joke, but like there, there's so many things as an assistant. I think one of the really important takeaways that I heard from a coach as soon as I got this head coaching position was be organized. You've got to be organized. And as an assistant, I, you know, we, especially when we took over at Texas, like that was the thing. It was like, I was getting every little thing that makes up, I say it's like running a small business, right? You've got Mm -hmm. so many pieces to the pie that has to be organized, you know, from the top down and how Ange wanted it done. And I think that for me, it was every little thing to your recruiting platform, to making sure your compliance issues are going well, to connecting with your alumni, to making sure your recruiting database is good. I mean, there's, there's endless things that you know, as a head coach, it's like, it just becomes second nature because I've done it so long and and went through those processes so much. I'll tell a quick story. I'll never forget the very first time I went on a road trip as an assistant coach at the University of Tennessee. Ange leaned forward and she's like, hey, we need to do, and she went through 10 things. We knew this, this, we have to think about this, this, this. And I'm sitting there like my mind is blown because I'm like, wait a minute, like, we don't just sit on the bus and hang out, like, because that's what I did as a player. So I'm not sure I'm answering your questions, but just getting the repetitions of organizing your, the program and all the little finite details that go into it, because at the end of the day, you want your players to love to come to training, love to compete and not necessarily feel the resistance that we, we have to go through as coaches because of, you know, whether it's the administration or it could be a number of things, scheduling. I mean, that's another thing that you're just, it's non nonstop. So long-winded answer, but just getting those reps and asking questions and being a sponge and taking notes and being organized. That's funny. You, Keely, you just described yourself a little bit as a player and what you thought happened on the coaching <laughs> yeah. staff. How many times as a coach do you hear from your players? Like, so like, 
when the season's over, like, what do you do? Yeah. You know, what do you do when you're not practicing, when you don't have to lead a practice? It's like, oh yeah, we don't really do anything else other than lead practices. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, sometimes I'll tell them, like, I'll just be like, Hey, this was, this is what, this is the deal. And you don't go into the details, but it's like, I'm sitting in this office and it's not like I'm just sitting here all day, like thinking about soccer drills. I mean, we kind of joked about that, you know, 10% of our job is actually coaching on the field. Right. And it, and it is organizing so many other things. So the business is running and it's smooth and, you know, it's somewhat of a customer service, but you're, you're developing human beings who are the ages of 17, 21, and you want them to be able to leave your program, having a positive experience, even though it's tough and, and they're going to hit adversity and they're going to be unhappy at times because they're not playing. It didn't pan out the way that they thought. So you've got to work through those conversations. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, you hit it on we, the head when you called it, when you said it's like running a small business. I yeah. mean, as you're describing yeah. this, it reminds me of like running a small nonprofit. It's, it's the same. You're wearing a million hats. People wonder what you do all day. People are saying, oh, well, what are you doing? How come you're, doing, you're not literally feeding a kid? So what are you actually doing? You know, I don't get it. And yeah. it's and so I, I you know, we, we want to help people understand that these lessons we're learning, they they carry over literally into everything you're doing. And so, I mean, it goes to being a, a you know, a parent as well. Right. Paul, it's like, you know, your kids wonder, like, what do you guys do when we're not at home? Like, you guys don't do anything. And then, oh, you actually work. You know, my son, can you play dad? Well, I'm working right now. Well, you know, and well, when are you done? five minutes, two minutes, like how long is it going to take? Right. So I, I think that that, that goes into so many different areas and it's, uh, yeah, I, I love that. No, it's, it's great. Keely you had an opportunity to play, you know, at a high level with, you know, a lot of great, a lot of great players. Are there one or two that come to mind that really impacted you? What were some of their great attributes as players that, that really left a mark on you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Christy Rampone was probably one of the biggest. That was my first year of pro. She kind of took me under her wing and I played next to her as a center back. You know, you talk about someone who has a lot of speed. First of all, it's like I, I thought I was pretty fast and she just has this other gear you're like. And, and I do have to tell a story about her because I think she was like, I don't know, in her thirties or something. And we were, it was year one. So 2009, I, I don't know how old she is. So don't quote me on that. But I just remember being like, oh man, my back of my leg hurts. And I was like, well, like maybe you pull the muscle or something. She's like, what do you mean? And I was like, yeah, like you could have pulled your hamstring. She's like, oh no, I've never done that before. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> 12 years old, I pulled a muscle. And so I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like, but she, I mean, she's just so fit, you know, leader on the field. And it's like, that's one of the big reasons why we were successful is because she's a leader, a competitor, and obviously extremely durable as an athlete. And, um, you know, she just helped guide me to kind of understand like, you know, the next level of being a pro and what that looks like. Cause it's, you know, I call home and be like, dad, it's a lot cooler saying I'm a pro than being a pro, you know? And that's because it's like, you're you could be so self-absorbed and it's like just because you sign a contract and get drafted doesn't mean you're on the team and it's like every day I felt like I was fighting for my life because I wasn't a full national team player like all the time right it was just a short stint so it's like I didn't feel the security that you feel in college and in the kind of feel good moments so I try to tell our players like hey if you're gonna go pro like it you got to be ready it's cutthroat you have a job one day you may not have one the next day and so, you know, those were the lessons that she taught me. So, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, 
you know, you play against Abby Wambach and, you know, for me, I played against her at, at Florida versus, you know, Tennessee versus Florida. And you obviously admire her from a distance, but when, when we're playing, she's a forward and I'm a center back, it's like, all right, like I need to beat this chick. Right. And then, and so she kind of taught me that a little bit of a gamesmanship attitude of, of, Hey, I'm going to, I'm a really good player and I'm going to use the game to be able to beat you. And so that was kind of another layer that I was like, Oh, okay, this is, this is new. So those are probably the top two players I would say. Yeah, those are, those are great ones. Rampone was a consummate pro. She was amazing. And anybody I've ever talked to that played with her, including, including my wife, just raves about not only her as a, as a, as a player, but just a person, you know, yeah. just really cared about her, her teammates and one of the hardest working people out there all the time. You know, that's just, uh, those are, those are great. As we kind of move through, through this, through this conversation, there's some questions we ask everybody as we kind of come through here, but you know, this is a podcast about soccer and leadership, right? So that's, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah. But w- what are some of the lessons that you've learned directly from the game of soccer that you use just life in general, like maybe even in, in your marriage? What are some soccer lessons that, that leadership lessons that you're using in, in your marriage? Yeah, I mean, I think, where do you start? You know, I've, I've, when I took over as a head coach, I came up with my core values and I wanted to obviously bring them into the program. And, and the way that we do them is we bring them in and then the players define what each one of those words mean. Obviously, they're going to mean something to me, but we want to get our players bought in on, on what do these things mean to you. So I brought in what's the acrostic anchor. Part of that is because of my faith and that anchors, that's, that's the anchor for me. So what it stands for is A is accountability, N is no quit, C is character, H is habits, O is opportunity, and R is responsibility. So the bookends, accountability and responsibility for me, if you don't have those in a program, it's going to be really hard to be successful. So our players will define that. But, you know, I think, you know, what what has soccer taught me? Accountability, 100%. You know, within that, it's developed my character on so many different levels. You know, the game's 90 minutes and you have the ebbs and the flows of things are going your way, momentum, and then all of a sudden you're not and they're not. And so, you know, how do you, how do you persevere through that? You know, I think from a competitive standpoint, you got to fight every day in training. If you want to get better, you've got to fight. If you want to keep your spot, if you want to earn your spot, because it can be taken away from you quickly. You know, I think from a habit standpoint, one of my least favorite quotes is if it feels good, do it because I think nobody would wake up in the morning because we all just want to sleep in. So from that standpoint, it's, if it's not feeling good, you probably should keep pushing through it because that's making you better. So, so the habit standpoint is we're really instilling, you know, habits, the game presents it's from a technical standpoint right it's having the habit of keeping your head down when you're shooting I mean there's so many things there I can get into and then the opportunities part it's every day is an opportunity and to improve and don't miss don't miss that day because you could get hurt and then how many injured players are like oh I missed the game so much but when you're in your third month of of spring and you're not hurt and you're still going you're like why do I have to be here like not a good attitude you know from an opportunity standpoint Um, And then certainly the, I'm not going to hit all the core values, but the never quit for me, that is just in marriage. It's, you know, you're a team. We we call ourselves team Hagen and it's like, you know, it's, it's not an option to quit. And um, I can't remember this great Twitter 
thing that came out, but it was basically like, if you're fighting with your spouse, it's like, Hey, come on in here. We're going to lock the door and we're going to figure it out because we're not giving Mm -hmm. up. So those types of things, I think it's the game has given us so much. And that's what we want to give back to our players and say, Hey, listen, just invest everything you can, because when you're done with the game, it it has taught you so many incredible lessons that hopefully you can then give, give to others. Yeah, those are great. Some great stuff there, Keely. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, and that's why we do this show, right? It's, it's, I think the more this game becomes what it can get for us more than anything is what I think it's getting to for people. Can it get you a scholarship? Can it get you, you know, whatever the, the prestige and the, to say, my kid plays comp soccer or whatever. And it, and it, it, I think it loses those lessons that that's why I look back and I love this game so much is because those lessons, it can teach us about life. It can teach us about, you know, how we can love better, how we can be committed to things, even when it's not comfortable. You know, as we, we've talked about on this show, most of the great things in life happen just on the other side of comfortable, right? Like that's when it's going to really get going. And so I think that that's where if we don't take those risks, if we don't take those chances, if we don't push ourselves, we're never going to see it. And those, those lessons that we can learn from this game, like that's, that's why, you know, I was like, hey, let's just do this thing and see how we can hear from other people like yourselves to say, what can we learn from it? What are we missing that we can learn better? And, you know, I, I love it. I love, I love learning from, you know, folks like you and, and all the other people we've had on this show about, about these lessons. Yeah, I think I'd be remiss to say just the the last thing is just being on a team, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you're going to go in the workforce afterwards and people want to hire people that can work together. And so just how are you as a teammate? I think that's the, some of the, my greatest friends are because we were teammates. And so learning how to work with people and, and how to be a good teammate and, and what that looks like on a regular basis. And, you know, I think for this generation, it's solving problems through texting and saying, hey, that's, that's not going to, that's not going to fly. And how can we integrate a little bit deeper relationships that are more meaningful of, of having the face-to-face conversation and, and that communication and that eye contact, which we all missed during COVID. And that's, that's tough. And it's like, how can we get more reps to be able to improve the communication to improve their relationships? Yeah, no, 100%. Actually, on on that note, I, I over the weekend did a little two-day fast from my phone. I just stuck it on the charger didn't pick it up all weekend and even that those two days to see how much more present I was in every conversation in coaching we had a game on Saturday just seeing that it was like man I gotta do this more it's so important I think we are so we just we don't realize how much we just look at that little thing and just do something whether it's just killing time or even for information that might be we might deem important at that point but I looked at my phone last night after two days and I was like, none of this stuff was urgent. I was with my family all weekend. So I didn't, that was what's going to be the urgent stuff. So I didn't need it. You know, and it was just this reminder of what's really important. All right, Keely, all good things must come to an end. So this, this interview, I will finish up with, with how we, we finish up these interviews, which is, you know, what have you watched, read or listened to that has most impacted your thinking on how soccer explains life and leadership? Yeah, I had to think about this a lot. I'm, I'm I'm not a big reader. I'm a big listener. Like I listen to things because I it's hard for me to sit down and read a book because I fall asleep really quickly. <laughs> so, you know, I think just a couple of books 
that, you know, I've listened to is the chop wood, carry water. That's been a big one for me just in terms of the process. I don't know if you guys heard that one, mm-hmm. how it relates to the game. Once again, it's it's all about the process and putting the, the extra hours of repetition in that you need in order to, to improve your skill. You know, we tell our players, you know, even at the club level, it's not enough of what you're doing at your training. And that doesn't mean more is always better, but if you want to get to, if you want to be a better passer, sometimes it's just hitting the ball against the wall and, and having those quality repetitions. So that book was great. And then the other one is one in the dark, which is, I think they're actually the same authors. And it's once again, so, so much of me being successful was not necessarily my talent, but is what was I doing behind the scenes when no one else was working, right? If it was snowing, I was going for a two mile run because I knew it was going to make me tougher and I knew I needed to, to work on my endurance or I was, you know, taking time to hit a ball against a rebounder because I needed to hit a better, longer ball. And so it's those things that my my teammates may not have known or, you know, nobody knew, but I had to put those reps in. And so it's it's that that's those are probably the two top two right now for me. You're not alone in those recommendations. The last the last person to recommend those two books was Corey Close, the, the women's basketball coach at UCLA, another okay. amazing woman of faith. And I know she uses those books regularly as well. She's that's a that's a great interview. I know you'd enjoy that as well. But but yeah, no, those are those are great books. And you know, I I, I love asking those questions because you know, just selfishly, I, you know, if someone, if someone recommends that book, if two people, three people on the show recommend those books, folks, you got to read them. It's like required reading. Now, if you listen to this show, you got to go out and read those books. And, and for, for no other reason than the people that were listening to you, it's, it's impacted them and made them better leaders. So I, I think that that's why we're doing this. If you're listening to the show, chances are you are a learner and you are a great leader. So, so continue learning on that. Well, thank you so much, Keely, just for, for who you are, for the, I know the encouragement you are to me and Paul, I assume I'm going to speak for him because I, I've talked with him about you and just that you are impacting lives in, in great ways. And so I just want you to, to encourage you to keep running the race and thank you for being a part of this conversation. Yeah. Thanks you guys. And Paul, I need one of those hats and Phil, you should wear that shirt all the time. And Paul, <laughs> if you give me a hat, I will give you a shirt. Oh, wow. Tra- I like trades. Yeah. Okay. That's Got good it. bartering. That's good bartering. Are you, size, so. are you double X Paul? What are you? <laughs> oh, what? Wait, wait a minute. What? Are you sure? Did you ever coach against hey, me? Did you, you already uh, tired, yeah, Paul? Are you, you confusing never me with yeah. Chuck? Are you confusing me with Chuck oh, again? Wow. Okay, now I just didn't want to say extra small. Just trying oh, to make that's it okay. better. Man, I'm good. I'm good with extra small. I, love I can it. still I can still fit in all of those. My belly he can hasn't go to the gym. bigger in retirement. He can go to the gym with that extra small and he could, you yeah, know, I just kind of I can still see your chin, so you're doing great. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing, keep it up. Yeah, he's you know, he's got he's got four little boys, you know, not not little anymore, oh, but sure. four boys running him around. So I think he'll be in good shape for a while anyway. We all we um, all know it's my wife that keeps me in check. Well, there's okay, no question. Not, not yeah, my husband might say around. the same thing too. So but hey, yeah. I just want to say I really appreciate what you guys are doing. I think it's awesome just to you know, bring awareness. And at the end of the day, like we're all trying to learn and get better. And I I really appreciate what you guys are doing. And it's, it's very helpful for people like me as well. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Keely. Thank you folks for, for being a part of this. You know, we, we do it, we do it for you and uh, you know, we, we selfishly like doing it for ourselves too, but but if you weren't out there listening and learning from this, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. So thank you for, for 
investing in your life to be able to listen to this, investing in your people and, you know, just being a better leader for everyone in your life. And so, as you know, we have great resources that you can always access. You can go to warriorwaysoccer.com, learn about what Paul and Marcy are doing with Warrior Way. That great hat is one thing. Well, not the one he has on because that is a limited edition that is only, I only have it. I think I'm the only other one other than Marcy and Paul that have that. So, and, but you can get another great hat. You can, you might be able to barter too. I don't know. It sounds like bartering is, is a, is a way you can get one of those hats, but you, we also have coaching the bigger game, coaching the bigger game.com. You can go there to learn about how you can invest in your leadership. And if you're interested in that, you can check that out. Um, but as always, we hope that you're taking what you're learning from this show and you're using it to be a better parent, a better spouse, a better leader, a better coach, better in all that you do. And you continually remind yourself that soccer does explain life and leadership. Thanks a lot. Have a great couple weeks.